0: Activated by Temperance Spirits. Temperance Spirits. Creating a space for change. Game Over! Activated by... What is up? What is up? What is up? Welcome to Game Over Edmonton. Activated by Temperance Spirits. And oh, hang on one second. I think you got a bit of a... <laughs> first, first game of the season... I think our cameras have acted up funny. Uh-oh. One second, gang. I'm trying to get our cameras going right here. I can't here. see anything. Oh. There we go. Okay. Now we're all settled. All right. You know, again, first game of the year. It is what it is. We're going to sell a lot of kinks out. Like I said, came over Edmonton, activated by Temperance Spirits. Temperance Spirits is creating a space for change. I'm Avery Lewis McDougall, here with the homeboy. Longtime friend of Game Over Edmonton, who's going to join me on the show tonight, the one, the only, Mike Wilson. Mike, how you doing, buddy? Welcome back to the Game Over Edmonton. Avery's getting the kinks out, and I'm getting the kinks in. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. What a game tonight. Edmonton wins 6-1. But before we get there, I got a little bit of ad copy to read. First of all... Ads, 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 ads. That's... We want to thank our friends at Can't Temperance Spirits, offering wonderful non-alcoholic cocktails and beers. I'm drinking the Paloma cocktail. This is I'm gonna try the first time trying this one. Let's see this taste before I get into the ad copy. What? Mm, fruity. Is it Not good? bad. Not bad
1: at all. No, it's got a nice. Avery Avery didn't send me any, but, <laughs> so I, I I'll just we'll just
0: have to take his word for it. So y- you know what? Hey. I would not lead you wrong on this drink, Mike. I would not. Temperate Spirits makes great, great stuff. So, welcome back. So, with Game Over, Temperate Spirits creates a vast selection of local craft and non-alcoholic options. Choose from a selection of beers, wines, mocktails, and spirits. We believe that a social lifestyle does not require the consumption of alcohol. To celebrate Sober October, enjoy 10% off of your favorite beverage. Let's raise a toast to being sober this October. Find Temperance Online at spirits.com and follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Temperance Spirits. Wonderful stuff. And like we said off the top, Edmonton wins six to one. A game in which the forward core looked a lot better. Mike and Jack Campbell looked much stronger in that tonight. What were your thoughts on the game tonight, good sir.
1: Yeah, I mean it's very funny that uh, everyone was fretting over putting, you know, the super line together, um to, you know, create an offensive spark. Uh that being uh Nuge, Hyman and Fogel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they they did get it from there. Those those guys were dominant. Uh like Dry Kane line, suspiciously suspiciously uh quiet. Five on five at least, you know, you got your um Dry settle had two goals, both on the power play. Mm-hmm. McDavid had that one, you know, freak only McDavid kind of goal. Only he could score. Um, but I thought that line was pretty quiet. Um, but Nugent Hopkins, Hyman, and Fogle, you know, really drove play. They all had, uh, were plus 60% as far as uh, shot attempts go. Um, Warren Fogle hit the net for once, scored, also hit a post later. Um, four points for Hyman, three for Nuge. Nugent. Uh, you know, for, for, I, you know, I don't like getting uh, too caught up with like big lists because you know, the, the, they're structured to drive conversation and controversy, but not having Ryan Nugent Hopkins, a guy who scored hundred points last year on the top 100 list from ESPN, you know, a little, a little puzzling. Um, it doesn't look like he's slowing down offensively at all. Maybe he took uh, what one of my buddies likes to call the Brad Marchand jump where uh, a player just gets better once they hit 30. Uh, who's to say, um, so I thought that line did a lot of tough work. I wouldn't say the Oilers played very well overall as a team. Uh, again, you got you had not great results from uh, the McDavid dry side of line at five on five. Uh, the fourth line is still a bit slow. No finish there. I, I don't think they're going to be able to keep, you know, Adam Ernie, Derek Ryan, and Matias Yanmark together for very long and have any long-term success. But, you know, it's game three. It draw a lot of conclusions uh from the season so far you had the first game or just no one showed up complete write off uh, second game against vancouver i thought the team played pretty well but they just didn't get any goal i think that was the big thing to talk about tonight you mentioned jack campbell um you know he was he was pretty good uh you know he didn't have to steal the game from them because they scored six six goals yeah. but i think if you get that performance from jack campbell consistently through the season you know you're you're in a really really good position because that team can go out there and score
0: six goals. No, exactly. And again, you don't need Jack to be a Vezna winning goaltender. Just Jack being okay, and that should get you through. Jack being an average goaltender is going to help this team out a lot. But I did like the fact that, you know, overall, 5-1-5, this team was able to contribute. It wasn't relying on the power play. No, they had two power play goals, but it didn't need the power play to win this game. It's a good sign. But you are right, though, Mike. It's, It's only game three. The narratives of, oh, this team isn't going to win. This team is going downhill. You can't really detect too much from three games. It's over. Your reactions are ridiculous right now, Mike. We've seen a lot of them all over Twitter after just two, three games in.
1: Right. And it's really funny because in two of the three games, I think the effort from the Oilers uh, and the score were, were not properly reflected. Again, mm. maybe you get a bit of score effects, but the Oilers weren't the better team for most of the part uh, parts of this game. Um, Jack Campbell was better than UC Saros, who who got chased out in the first. Uh, you know, maybe there's some score effects built into that because they took the 4-0 lead, but they they capitalized on their chances, and that was a big thing they couldn't do against Vancouver. You know, they were shooting 2% going into this game, and, you know, you knew that wasn't going to last, and it spiked big, uh, big time tonight. I think trying to take anything away from these three games is a fool's errand, but if you're the Oilers, you know, you desperately needed a win tonight, and you got it uh you know move on and it you know there's not much analysis that can come with that except for like hey good for Jack Campbell we had a goaltender post uh a save percentage above 750
0: today. Exactly like that's that's the thing that this team needed because you're right because the first two games both Skinner and Campbell had safe percentages of under 800, Now that was a whole performance you're right against Vancouver they came out of the gate stronger in the game at home they outshot Vancouver 41 16 but it was nice to see the goaltending help itself a bit because we, I mean, we all knew that that wasn't going to stay bad forever, but the fact that Skinner and Campbell were struggling to be, not say that bad,
1: you know, if you, you know, if you, you could see a scenario where both Oilers goaltenders sustain, safe percentages above 900. Mm -hmm. I think Stuart Skinner hasn't really proved himself too much in the NHL. Jack Campbell's proof that he can have a safe percentage below 900, 750, you know, that's a completely different animal. Yeah. Um, But, you know, it's nice to see a good goaltending performance tonight. I'm sure Stuart Skinner will get the next start and get his chance to redeem himself, and they'll rotate until, you know, someone really starts separating themselves.
0: No, exactly. It makes a lot of sense. And I imagine, again, yeah, I'll probably rotate, I I could see Stuart against Philly, and then either, and then probably um, Campbell against Lepeg on Saturday night. You're right, though. It's going to be a rotation until someone actually pulls away and shows they either be the number, the 1A goaltender. Because right now, it's really, it's really... 2 1B goaltenders right now. There's no clear cut number one after three games going into game four, Mike.
1: No, exactly. Um, goaltending was the biggest question mark coming into the season for the Oilers. I don't think that's changed three games in. I don't think anything's changed three games <laughs> in except for, you know, people's confidence in maybe the new defensive system. Mm-hmm. You know, it's clearly not 100% there. I don't, I'm not worried about it at this point in the season. This is a team with, you know, aspirations to win the division, aspirations to win the Stanley Cup. And you're you're not winning the Stanley Cup in game three. I'm sorry. It, it's it's a it's a process. They'll they'll you know look to improve, you know, in any way they can. Um the defensive system is is gonna be the biggest part of that. Because you know this team can go out and score goals, you know. No, the exactly. finish is is there. I think it's kind of overplayed the, the lack of finish on the team when you have uh, just the way they make chances. Mm-hmm. You know, you would love a sniper um, to come in and, and do what Evander Kane did, not last year, but the year before in the playoffs. Like, he was shooting the lights out last year. He struggled, obviously, uh, after tearing uh, or cutting all the ligaments in his wrist and his hand. Mm-hmm. going to be tougher to shoot there. Um, so that's a guy you know, who can have some finish. Warren Vogel, if he ever hits the net, has a wicked shot. But the way other tonight. guys create their yeah. chances, I think, yeah, yeah. And I think the way, like, Zach Hyman goes to the net and creates chances, it it's easy to see how he scores goals and his consistent hard work in the offensive zone leads to that, so.
0: So, exactly, and then, of course, uh, Leon Drysdale again having a big night. It's so it's so funny how no matter what time of year, no matter what it is, Leon goes into Nashville, Tennessee, and has a massive night. 34 points in his past 12 games when originally he came into the league he didn't play very well Wasn't against not that coming the into the game? Or is that including tonight? Including tonight. Including tonight. Okay. Yeah. And coming into the league, he didn't really play well against Nashville, but since then, like the 34 points in 12 games, I'm not sure I'd really explain it, but for some reason when he gets the Bridgestone Mike, he just goes supernova to a next level. It's fun to watch. It is
1: really it is really funny, um, how he just <laughs> loves playing in Nashville. Um, you know, putting about points like that. Uh he's a guy, you know, mvp award you know multiple time hundred point player Mm -hmm. he's gonna you know feast on a lot of different teams to to do it so consistently on the road against one specific team you know is funny nashville also hasn't been one of the better teams in the league since um you know these these streaks have been going on but you know they've had they have guys like romanosie they used to have matias at home uh U.C. Sirews is one of the best goaltenders in the league. Like they have guys who can kind of suppress the goals, uh, but it's still fun to see him just dominate.
0: No, of course, mention Matias Ekholm. He came back his first game uh, back in Nashville since the trade. Of course, he got the tribute. You know, everybody loved Matias Ekholm as a Predator. And I'm seeing people. I saw some suggestions to be concerned about Ekholm. It's like my thing is again, like much like you said before the top, Mike. It's three games in. Give him time to get it going again. He didn't play in the preseason. I'm not going to get too worried about a guy who didn't play any preseason games and getting his game back. He will get back to that top three defender, which he's been most of his career. I don't see any reason to be worried about Ekholm about after he played uh, over a Sardina. He's the kind of guy where I can give him some great, I can give him some time to find his game again. I'm not going to get worried about him after three games in. Period.
1: Oh no, that's what I was saying. That you know, the Stanley Cup isn't one game three. You have lots of time to get people, you know, up to speed on what your end goal is for for how the game works. Mm -hmm. Not only is he, you know, coming in late, not playing a preseason, any in preseason games, but he's even later to that new defensive switch, you know, to the box plus one that, you know, it hasn't been the easiest for the Oilers to wrap their heads around. So I'm definitely not worried about Matias at home at this point um, at all either. I think he's, he's a phenomenal player. The Oilers are a much better team with him in the lineup uh, and hopefully he can stay there. You know, you're seeing him, you know, you had a much better game today than you did on Saturday. After Saturday, you were kind of thinking, oh, no, did he Did he get rushed back a bit? You never want to see that. No. But, you know, a much better game today. Uh, I think it's just, you know, first game of the season, you got to shake off some rust. You're just uh, surprised when he gets kind of turnstiled by Sam Lafferty
0: of all people. <laughs> I admit, yeah, that was, that was very surprising seeing that. That was a shock to me. But again, game two, I'm not going to sound the alarm yet and go, oh, No. This guy is falling. I, I, can't, I can't be too angry about that. Well, he mentioned, the, the system going to box of one. You know what I like is that, I like the fact that you talk to any of those guys in the room, Mike, be it uh, McDavid, a Kane, a dry side a Hopkins, they're all buying into what G wants to do. There's no resistance. I'd be, I would be concerned there would be a bit of pushback, but there's no pushback. All these guys want to commit to it, and, and, and yeah, that's a really good sign. You're seeing the leaders, young guys, wanting to commit to it. I wanted to learn to it as the year goes on.
1: Yeah, I mean, buy going to be the biggest thing with the coach. And obviously, you know, you're more in the room than I am. Mm-hmm. I'm not there at all. I'm just some guy. <laughs> um, but Jay Woodcroft is always, uh, when he talks about mm-hmm. Connor McDavid and, and Leon Dryson, those guys, he, he, yeah. he always says the best players want to be coached. Like, I think McDavid believes in the plan. Dryson, they believe in the plan because they they all have the same goal. I don't think there's been a problem with the buy-in of the Oilers. I think it's just, you know, certain skills and uh, of, of certain players, you know, may line up with, with different systems better or, or, you know, incapable. Darnell Nurse is a guy who, you know, he's a freak athlete. You know, he's a phenomenal hockey player. Mm-hmm. But sometimes overthinks or underthinks certain situations and, and can get lost. And that's a guy I can see having a bit of an extra problem with a D-zone shift. Um, not that he doesn't want to but that's just one more thing for him to think about where in a lot of scenarios um, you can see, you know, him get lost in his own head a bit.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I agree with that. And, you know, people talk about Darnell Nurse and people, I I, I keep on seeing that idea that he's not a good defenseman, he's not the guy his team needs. I think it's absurd. He is still, at worst, a, he, like, he's a guy, I you can't, you can't put him in bottom pairing. He's still your franchise D-man. He's one of your franchise D-men with Echo and with Bouchard. I think he's a little bit of over, I think he's a bit of over panicking with, with um Darnell Nurse. Because when he's when he plays well, he's, he can jump into play very well. And he's still a top defender. I think the idea that I think people will see the contract and use that as he say he's bad, which to me isn't seeing right right way Mike.
1: No, I agree. I think obviously the contract is is more than mm-hmm. you want it to be. And yeah. that's not Nurse's Ken Holland's fault for saying. Yeah. No, I need two years of Alex Chase on at two point two at oh that boy. One point uh, when he was, and then he bridged Darnell Nurse instead of extending him. Yeah. You know, like you see a lot of young d men now, even getting more. You know, uh, Sanderson, um, Owen Power getting extended mm-hmm. long before they established themselves. Darnell Nurse got multiple bridge deals, and when his time to get paid came, you know, they had to pay up. Same thing's going to happen with Evan Bouchard, and they're going to have to worry about that in the future. Um, I don't think that strategy is great, but I don't think that's an indictment on Darnell Nurse. If Darnell Nurse was making, you know, seven and a half or or eight million dollars, even people would think differently of him. I think he's still, you know, a really important player on the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, it's just un- it's just unfortunate that. In such a cap strapped league. Um, you know, he's not what you would call an efficient contract. That's for sure. And, and it does hold the team back a bit on what they can do, but that's not his fault. You know, he's still you know a really good hockey player. He's just not the same kind of defenseman that his, the peers in his price range are, you know mm-hmm. Um, I think when that Seth Jones contract got signed and then he got signed right after people like, you know, there's a new market set for, for D man. And then, Uh, Other teams went and said, no, there isn't. And they kind of reined it in a bit. The only big guy who got it, you know, the guys who got a big deal since then were, was Rasmus Deline. He just got $11 million. But even Kale McCarr uh, got not much much, um, compared to how good he is. Like he could have been an $11, $12 million player easily on, on his first major contract. And so those deals make the nurse deal look a lot worse um but I'm not going to hold that against him I I think he struggles with some things I would like him to be better at but I think you're right in what he does well is largely ignored Mm -hmm. uh for the narrative
0: no exactly it is he and he's the guy I saw as he played at Edmonton for a question so you mentioned Evan Bouchard um after three games, four points for Evan Bouchard. And I liked what he's done so far. I know that we saw last year, Mike, we saw the question marks on Evan Bouchard. Can he be a top D-man? Can he be a power play quarterback? And so far, of course, halfway through last year, what he's shown this year, I think for the most part, he's, he's he's handled his critics pretty well. He's a guy who I think will still be that elite power play defenseman. The doubts on Evan Bouchard, I think, were, again, a bit overblown that he could not be a top D-man on this roster.
1: I think it was crazy uh, <laughs> the way some people are saying the Oilers power play was going to miss Tyson Berry. Evan Bouchard since the beginning of last year was a better player than Tyson Berry, better offensive player, better defensive player. Um, in the first game, you know, really rough, really rough performance from Evan Bouchard in a game where none of the Oilers played well. He might've been one of their worst players, um, but he's come back and, and he was dominant tonight. Mm. He's got four points in three games now. <laughs> You know, over a larger sample, you're starting to get insane numbers. And that's why this guy's going to get paid. Uh, I don't know if he is ready yet to be, you know, a bonafide number one defenseman five on five on his own to drive a pair. Obviously, the Oilers unlocked a lot with the Ekholm trade and pairing him with Bouchard, and they work amazing together. But I don't know if Bouchard is right now the guy who can you know, step up and dominate five on five without a partner of Matthias Ekholm's, you know, prowess.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I think that's fine. Um, it's just, you know, he's not... He's not like Victor Hedman in his prime or, you know, Adam Fox or Kale McCart. Like, he's not one of those guys. But I think he's going to put up crazy numbers playing with the guys he does. And that's not him... You no, know, benefiting just from playing with McDavid and Drysaddle, McDavid and Drysaddle benefit from playing with him, and I think that chemistry works and they work very well together. In the D zone, you're going to get, you know, some instances where, you know, he's not collapsing well or or defending the blue line as well as a number one guy who might make as much as he could make because, you know, he could score eighty points this year. I I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities. So, you know, you kind of have to. Temper expectations overall, there, but I'm not going to. You're not going to catch me. You're not going to radio me, Elliot Friedman, with me saying anything bad about Evan Bouchard. I think he's a phenomenal player. I've, I've been saying for years, I think this current Oilers team goes as far as Bouchard and Holloway take them. Mm. I think Dylan Holloway is a really important player for this team. I think getting that third line, um which was the only good line in the first game, and they had a good game uh, in the second game, I think that's going to be. A really, really important line for for the Oilers uh, going forward, and I think he's the key to it. So Dylan Holloway, I want to throw in there too as as a really important player going for the Oilers uh, forward for the Oilers for for the rest of this year.
0: No, I agree, and I, I think I think remember you you and Bouchard how Bouchard makes these guys better. You know, talking to Matisse Ekholm in the locker room, Ekholm has said before that Bouchard's a guy who he can learn from as well too. Bouchard, Ekholm's guys see Bouchard's talent, and one great thing uh, Ekholm said last season was that how um, I'm not here to I'm, I'm, here, I'm here to help guide Bouchard to an extent, yes, but I'm not here to coach Bouchard. I'm here to tell him, you know, you're a capable defender. You know, you can play the game well. I'm here to reassure him. I, I like that what Ekholm said. I'm here to reassure Bouchard and let him know that yes, he is a very common defender on this roster. And I love from Matisse. That was a great quote from him. No, and, and the
1: way he plays is able to reinforce that too. With young guys, we hear all the time, confidence is is everything. And when Evan Bouchard has the confidence to go out there and make offensive plays at a level that very few defensemen in the league can, knowing that a guy of Matthias Ekholm's prowess it has his back, yeah. um, it just makes it easier for him to, to relax, to go out there and make plays. You know, that's what you want. You want your players... You want your good players making plays. That's how you're going to win important games. And so the confidence that Ekholm can breed in Bouchard uh, is really important to you know make sure that he believes in himself that he is going to make these plays. And that's that's the only way you're going to get them.
0: No, exactly. We we mentioned a few names now. Is there one player, Mike, do you want to see a bit more of going forward now as we get into the game against Philadelphia and Winnipeg in your mind?
1: Hmm. I think it's I think it's tough because, like I, I've been saying, they go. They've had some up and down games, yeah. not a lot. I would like to see. I would like to see more out of that fourth line, but I just don't. I'm not confident that that's there. I think Derek Ryan is a really good player. I've been I've been a fan of him for a while, but I don't know if Matthew Jamark and Adam Ernie are guys that are going to uh, help him succeed. I think those are guys you could you could swap out with Bakersfield Condors pretty easy. I know LeBois was the big name coming out of training camp. Uh, I don't know if it was the biggest deal not to have him on the roster, but I think he's a better bet uh, in, in even in short minutes than those than those two. I don't know if the penalty kill having him not on the penalty kill is something I'm too worried about. Um, considering the Oilers penalty kill is no good anyways, I think. <laughs> And Mark and Ernie aren't guys they're going to miss. Um, you know, maybe Sam Gagne gets going in Bakersfield and he's a call-up option. You know, I, w- I would like to see Raphael LeBlanc, uh, even someone like Hamblin. Um, I would like to see Audition, that mm-hmm. fourth line lot. I know the Oilers are going to try to add at the deadline for sure, but <laughs> they go into the playoffs with the fourth line that, that slow and that
0: ineffective. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. It, it's funny. If you follow Mike on Twitter, well, sure, okay. I mean, You're not the biggest Adam Rini guy. On Twitter, you you let me know you're not really a big Adam Rini guy in your tweets for the past couple of days here, Mike. <laughs> you know, it's not, nothing against the player. Like, I'm
1: sure he's a uh, nice dude. I've never met him. Yeah. I just don't think he's ever had the kind of success that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of numbers or, or play or film that you're basing the signing on when – you know, Zach Aston Reese has been waived multiple times. And if, you know, I think there's there's multiple goals for a fourth line, um, the first one would be just, like, don't get scored on. Like, you don't want to send your fourth line out there. They make mistakes, and then you have to double-shift McDavid and Dreisaitl to overcome that. You know, break-even is fine, and then you outscore them at the top of the lineup. Now, obviously, the goal is for your fourth line to outscore. That was a big reason why Vegas was successful all the way through the playoffs last year. And when you're playing the Nashville Predators and you're getting, you know, doubled up in shot attempts, you know, Adam Ernie had a 25% uh, Fenwick, um, 26% for Matthias Janmark, uh, Derek Ryan a bit better at, yeah, no, he was at 26. Like, just not good showing from that line. And that's even with them having multiple scoring chances. I think like Adam Ernie could have had a hat trick tonight and he just has a noodle stick uh, that, that couldn't get anything done. And so, those are that's obviously a spot in the lineup that the Oilers have to improve on uh, going forward because they need at least to break even. That was a big part of their success last year was that bottom, that bottom six breaking even. Now you could overcompensate that with, I think you're going to get contributions from Dylan Holloway and Ryan McLeod, and you know today Connor Brown was on the third line. I like that line a lot, but I think at the end of the day that fourth line spot is in need of an upgrade and you know, you have all season to work on that, but, uh, yeah, that, that's who I'd like to see more contributions from, uh, on Thursday.
0: No, fair enough. Fair enough. And for those of you with questions in the chat, we'll do the press conference to wrap things up here. So if you have questions for myself or Mike, hold those to the end and we'll get to your comments, concerns, your complaints, give those to Mike if you have complaints about him or gate
1: gate, gate 14 <laughs> representing in the chat gate 14 heads showing up
0: <laughs> Love it. hey gate 14 is the jay's podcast to listen to that's amazing content those boys. it is amazing it content. absolutely is now mike let me ask let me ask you a question here I, we, we've seen it before we've seen um jay woodcroft going to going to putting mcdavid and dry on the same line and again like always it's all twitter Overreacting to that, I'm not gonna to make too much of it again. Me too. Of about uh, Jay putting uh, McDavid um, and Drysdale on the first line again, he needs a goal. Like, I'm not really sure what we're doing here. If we're gonna always get worked up when that happens in the first ten games of the season, here, I think it's again, it's we need to just take your chill pill, relax on on Jay doing that, and before um, with the first game, ten games of the year. I mean, I I don't,
1: I'm not a big fan of it just because. You know, the whole point is, you know, McDavid takes the top pair, mm-hmm. leaves dry sidle softer minutes to go up against uh, the bottom pair. Or, you know, if they're, you know, dry sidle can be dominant some days, you, you see it more in the playoffs than anywhere, um, you know, a reversal, where you try to get one of the guys out there uh, against softer opposition. And it's very funny that, you know, it is kind of a go-to switch that Todd McClellan used, Dave Tippett used, and now Jay Woodcroft's going into it, you know, pretty early. And I think it doesn't show a lot of confidence in your lineup that they can, that they can score goals without those two guys. And you're immediately saying, you know, to your second and third line, Hey, you guys aren't going to score. So I guess we have to do this. Um, so I don't like it the best. It's even funnier that again, they were not great tonight as a trio,
0: uh,
1: five on five, but the Hyman, Nugent Hopkins, Bogle line was, so I guess by loading it up, you did get one dominant line, um, but even with them mostly separate, I guess until mid second period on Saturday night against Vancouver, um, they were doing great. Separate, the Oilers mm-hmm. were were pushing. That first goal came five on five with Dreisaitl, uh, with Nugent Hopkins and Hyman, uh, and they got a lot of pressure on that. I thought the Oilers really, you know, really pressured Vancouver throughout the game. Uh, goal tending and, and you know some defensive mistakes. Darnell Nurse um, joining the rush when. He was the fifth guy back um, being, you know, obviously a key mistake that's been discussed for the last couple of days. Uh, so, you know, I don't think it's the best look. I, I would, you know, hold out a bit more uh, or, or save it for the third period. You're down a goal. You need a bit of a spark, but you know, it's just like, it's not something you want to see in the playoffs because I think teams can key, you know, Get a shut, get a shutdown. Buy some out there. If you shut that down, they think they can handle the rest of the roster. And you know, if you're getting nothing from the fourth line, you know that only leads two lines that you have to beat. After that, uh, there is the whole point of you know Nashville today saying like, well, you can't contain uh, Connor and Leon. You just have to, you know, or, or you you can't stop them. You, you try to contain them, and they, you know, for the most part, did. But mm-hmm. the power plays, obviously, a whole other beast no so i I would like to see them maybe maybe you'll see this for another game just because you had success with that second line Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but for the most for the most part i would like to see connor and leon five on five as separate as possible Mm -hmm. uh just to give the oilers more chances to attack in waves
0: no it's fair and i mean if we if we were to see it all year long then that's concerned to me but three games in i'm not going to be Send the alarm just yet with those two in the same line. If it was again all all year long, or like you mentioned Mike in the playoffs, then yes, that's a bad sign because again, it is this team believing that they can get scored anywhere else and so they have to load up on one line, which you mentioned we saw it happen with Tippett with McClellan. That was a consistent thing. If it's if it's consistent again, then yes, exactly. Then yeah, that that is not a good thing to see. And you mentioned the power. I'm also from-
1: not a big believe. oh oh, sorry, I just want to say so, I'm so not a I- big believer in like line alchemy. I think like different combinations of different guys um, performing different results might be a sample size issue for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Kane, that, that trio hasn't been great ever since they started doing it, but I don't know if adding Zach time to that, you know, really makes it that much better. Uh, Evander Kane obviously isn't the world's strongest defensive player or a, or a good passer. You know, he's a finisher and, Maybe they can give him good opportunities there. When you when you talk about the lines too,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know you got to make a nod to there being eighty two games in the season. Different players are going to stump slump. Uh, different players are going to, you know, have hot streaks, and the lines are going to change fifteen times before now between now and the end of the season. So uh, analysis can be, uh, you know, you want to talk about the team and everything, but. It's part of the ebb and flow of the season, I think.
0: No, exactly. It completely is, Mike. I totally agree with that. And, of course, before we get to the questions, power play. Two for two. power play was sharp tonight again. Two more power play goals. But I saw the idea of, do you believe this power play can break more records again? I don't think so. I think there's going to be some regression. I think it'll be, I think it'll be again, a top five power play. But I don't think it's going to be a big break again. I think there'll be some regression. I think it's going to be hard. It, it's going to be tough for this team. On the power play to break records again, I think it's going to be natural regression this year on the man advantage. I think, Mike. I, th-
1: I think they were so good that that's o- that's the the obvious bet. You know yeah. how how much I think it was what thirty seven percent last year.
0: Yeah, thirty seven yeah.
1: something stupid.
0: Yeah, like that's going to regress. Yeah. <laughs> that's going
1: to regress. Um, I think the advantage the Oilers have is the creativity of the players on the power play. That, you know, it's not like they're running a couple plays. You know, you can see the plays they run, but there's so many and they can adapt on the fly so well. Mm-hmm. Everyone does as good at their, is as good at their job as humanly possible. Evan Bouchard, obviously a wicked uh, distributor, has a big shot. You know, he can maybe work on holding the blue line a bit better, but that's that's really nitpicking at this point. Ryan Newton Hopkins is... I think, always underrated when you talk about the power play. He's a power play witch. Um, that's what led him to scoring 100 points last year. Zach Hyman in front of the net, you know, he does that play where he'll stand right beside it, ask you to bank it off of him. He scores so many of his goals like that. And then you have Connor and Leon who can always adapt. They're always feeding off each other. I think the creativity is what makes the Oilers power play so good and and so hard to stop. And that what that's what will help it from being stagnant you know, the adaptability of the skilled players that run it, where they're not just like, okay, well, this one play didn't work. Like they had that bumper play in 2017 when they went to the playoffs and that worked really well. And then teams keyed on it. I think it's just so tough for teams to key on any individual play, any motion, any player, because all five players on the ice at a given time can get it done in a multiple, multiple different ways. You know, I said Zach Hyman in front of the net, making pucks in off him scrambling. But, you know, he can shoot the puck too uh, yeah. if he needs. So I think regression is bound to happen, but I think the way they're set up is the best way to defend against that, which is just relying on creativity of, you know, some of the most talented players our game ever seen.
0: No, exactly. And it, it's tough because you watch a power play tonight and it really, it's, it's pick your poison. Do you try to stop McDavid? Do you try to stop uh, Hyman? Do you try to stop Dreisaitl? There's really no way... To contain all these guys, It's really pick your poise and you see like it, like I'm always a, I'm always amazed when you see an opposing team hold this Edmonton offense to zero power play goals because there's so many weapons that get at any given chance on the power play seem like it's gonna be an automatic goal. So I have, I applaud any team in the league that can hold them to zero power play goals at night. It's impressive, I think.
1: Well, it feels lucky, you know. They got multiple <laughs> against Vancouver, and that there could have been even more. I think just like you know, creating mad scrambles, collapsing in front of the net. Um, mm-hmm. There's just so many ways this team can score. So many seams for them to find, um, and every player can execute at a high level. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't, I don't see anybody consistently stopping this power play. I don't see it ever not becoming the most dangerous weapon in the league. Uh but thirty-seven percent is a ridiculous number that <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't
0: hit for sure. Right? No, I I just don't know how you can how they can possibly match again. But you know what? I I've learned, Mike, to stop doubting Conor McDavid, I mean and his team, I mean last year for hockey news. I said McDavid's gonna have oh, hundred I said he was gonna have like hundred and twenty two points in twenty two twenty three. There you go. He had one fifty uh oh. Uh-oh, I think Mike's having an issue here with his, um... His what happened, Mike? Talk to us. Uh-oh. Oh, I love technology. I think for a second now, Mike just... Oh, are you still there, Mike? Okay, now he's back, I think. Okay, Travis. Yes, thank you, Travis. 32% on the power play for the Edmonton Oilers. Oh, I gotta. Oh, we're back. Oh, there we go. Now you're back. Are you back, Mike? I'm back. There, yeah, you, there you go. There you go. How we go? We throw it out. All right. So I mentioned you, Avery, ch- Avery. just
1: wanted to let you know. Update from uh, from Twitter. Yes. Johnny Yenta, Uh Holy shit! The guy with the trip on the show follows me. Avery, yeah. What's his at? It's Avery. Had to follow him. <laughs> Followed. They say you have aura. Thank um, you,
0: boys. I appreciate and, and, that.
1: And Avery Shinier says, "Sucks he has a spell's name. Way cooler than me." <laughs> I, <said> Alfred, so.
0: <laughs> I appreciate that. And, and there's Aura as well too for the Gate 14 boys. I get that right back to them. That's amazing. So, anyways, before we wrap things up, press conference time. Hit us up in the YouTube comments. Your comments, thoughts on the game, the world. What are you happy with? What do you don't you like? What do you want to see more of? This is your time, the SDP viewer, to tap in and get our thoughts, hit us up in the questions. We love hearing back from our audience. And like always, hey, follow all the Game Over hosts, like, subscribe, and comment to the Game Over YouTube channel. Remember, we had shows on tonight from all across the country. It's so much fun. We get shows from multiple markets. We've had shows tonight. We've had shows from Montreal, Edmonton, and then there's going to be those of those nights when we get the crossover game nights, we get two hosts from Canadian cities. It's always fun to have a show when it's edmonton Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, Montreal, Toronto. Those kind of shows are fun, and we, we discuss off air, Mike, I may have to get temperate spirits to get Mike some of these these um, mocktails because they are delicious. I them to, to might give them to Mike some because hey, I want my guests, I want my guests on game over to up. benefit from this as well too.
1: Got to keep my whistle wet. First question from the chat uh, from Spencer. Hi everyone, I'm new to Oil Nation. Why are the games on later in the day, uh, Spencer? The answer is McDavid is so filthy that it is not safe for children uh, to watch him play a lot of nights, so they have to make the games uh, start later.
0: <laughs> I mean, you saw the gold. You saw the four zip gold on the spinner on the on that spin. Oh, my goodness! It would have been a TRTC violation. Uh,
1: Question from Johnny Yenta. Uh, why is the guy on the right so handsome? Uh, I don't know which one of us is on the right <laughs> or the left. I, I think we're both very handsome. Uh, and I will say, uh, for me, genetics. For you, for me, swag. For you, class. I you like know? that. That's where we kind of, right? I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a boy. Boys have swag. But that's fine. Rep an SBA. Avery is yeah. a classy gentleman. He goes, he is a cane.
0: Thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. Yes, Mike, Rupping SBA, which is our, our softball team. We yes, we curling are curling team as well. Yes, That's right, the curling team. Yes, we are. We are a multi-sport club at SBA. At SBA, yeah. plays. we are a multi-sport club. SBA Athletic <laughs> Club. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh my.
1: Uh, Avery Shneer asks, "What is the best medicine for oil fever?" Avery, do you want to fill this one?
0: The best medicine for oil fever. Oh my gosh. Well. Wow. It's a it's a chronic it's a chronic fever. Don't tell Burton. Mike has been had it before, so you know what. Uh, the big thing you got it well. And it's whoa. deadly. Ooh, I almost I almost crossed the line with my answer there. Ooh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say I was Ooh. thinking by myself. I, I was gonna I was gonna probably anger some people with my um answer, but um, I will I will just say the answer is eat some green onion cake to handle oral fever. That'll calm it.
1: Oh, I know. now I know where you're going with this.
0: Green onion cake, yes, which is the proper food of Alberta. Not a donair. Green onion cake. That is our food. So Ginger all, beef was
1: invented in Calgary, too, I believe.
0: I actually was it. It might have been. I think. Also, last time, last time
1: I was on the show, we had our poutine versus disco fries uh, discussion.
0: i <laughs> i We might have. I think we did have that one. <laughs> uh, our boy, our boy, MGD88 took two of the comments here in the uh, question in the chat. Jay talked about both goalies going. He thinks the Oilers go would Skinner against Philly. Same wavelength. Yeah, I think, I definitely think yeah. it's going to be um, Stu against Philly. And then you're going to see Jack playing against Winnipeg on Hockey and again. I think you're going to see wavelength with that one. How about you, Mike?
1: Yeah, I, I think until you see one guy consistently falter while the other finds success, um, you're, you're going to go back and forth. I don't think one game from Jack Campbell is enough to say that he's stolen the starting job. Um, considering he had, you know, one bad game and, and Skinner, I guess maybe one and a half bad games from Skinner. Um, he'll get the opportunity in Philadelphia to kind of right the ship on his end. Now, if he struggles again, you know, uh, say percentage um, in in the 800s or, or, you know, lower the way the first two games went, uh, you might see a couple of games of Campbell and then one of Skinner. But I think it's much too early to make the call on that.
0: No, I totally agree with that. Mick um, Nader, another question. Is it too early to discuss trade talks yet?
1: <laughs> yes, yes. I saw I saw Trainus Oil, everyone's favorite uh, Bob Stoffer account, um, tweeting that Jeff Jackson told them that if the goaltending isn't good after five games, they can go. They should start looking for a trade. I'm like, well, the only goalie who could possibly be on the market at this point is Dan Vladar, and he's not solving any problems for you. I think. Obviously, the dream acquisition would be the guy that was chased out of the net tonight, UC Saros. I think that would cost a, a pretty penny. Um, obviously, that's a trade that could be worth it down the line, but it, it's much too early to be, to be thinking about that for sure. I think we're going to see a bunch of guys from the AHL maybe get opportunities on that fourth line, or at least I would hope so, because uh, it's not like they've shown that they have any real spark so far. Um, so I think we'll we'll get to that discussion before we get to any actual trades.
0: No, exactly. You mentioned names like Raphael Wall, you mentioned James Hamlin. I think yeah, those you'll see those names get called up before this team even Sam Gagne, before this team starts to discuss anything really um via trade. And another question here from McNader. Does Connor Brown work his way back to the first line? Mm, I think I think it's possible to see him get way back to the first line eventually. I think it's totally possible.
1: Yeah, I don't think Connor Brown worked his way off of the first line. I think it was just the fact that the Oilers were shooting 2% maybe there. I don't know. I don't think their offensive confidence wavered at all. But, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe they just wanted to get a different look. It obviously worked for the second line. You know, I don't think Connor Brown had an impactful game either way tonight. But I don't think it was a punishment for him as just a different arranging of the, the top nine. I don't think Connor Brown's a player who's too good to play on your third line. That's for sure, um, and I think he can
0: be a good complimentary player in the top six,
1: but I don't see it as a punishment.
0: No, not at all. Exactly, it's just trying to look at, trying to get different looks. It wasn't eight, a punishment, and Jay's gonna be doing that a bit, trying to get different looks, see what mixes and matches. So no, I not a punishment at all. It definitely was um, Jay trying to get something different going on. So anyways, we'll...
1: yeah, it is a positive tonight for sure. Like yeah. he, he 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 outplayed his competition when he was on the ice. I, I think that's all you can ask. It's a good situation.
0: No, totally. And I'm hopeful that Connor Brown can get back to being that 15, 20 goal guy. I, I was a fan of his watching him play before. And otherwise, he didn't, he didn't be a guy who would get back to that level. Uh, and one more question, comment here. Oh, yeah, one more comment. Before we wrap things up here. MGD, the the brown hallway mccaulid line was good tonight. I think we're all in agreement. Yeah, that was uh, one of the better lines tonight. And again, we've talked globally about on the show before, Dylan Holloway and Ryan McCloud, those are guys who I think are going to have bright futures here. And Dylan Holloway, when Dylan Holloway plays with skill, we see what he can do on this roster, Mike.
1: Yeah, and I think what you want to see now is Dylan Holloway start to drive that third line. I think Ryan McCloud's a guy who can do that as well. I think pairing those guys together is what you need to. Get a third line that that outscores their opponents. You know, all, all the stats I've been citing today, by the way, uh from natural stat trick. Uh if you're going through the lines, the focal Nugent Hopkins Hyman line, uh 58% together, uh, a solid even from Holloway, McLeod, and Brown, and then you know, a really <laughs> subpar performance from Kane McDavid tridal at 30% and 27% for that fourth line. Um, so definitely a positive with that third line that they're treading water in a positive way mm-hmm. you want to see that continue you want to see that grow you want to see that be consistent i think whether you're switching out connor brown or warren focal on that line i think um doesn't really matter i think a lot of people want to see holloway get some time with dry style, get some time with mcdavid i think there will be times of the season where we should see that we deserve to see that and see if those combinations work but i do want to see if he can, against you know a little bit softer competition, against guys who aren't there to shut down McAver Drysaddle, see if he can drive that line himself with Ryan McLeod. I think that's going to be a key to to success this season.
0: No, of course. I cannot agree more. And Mike, we'll wrap things up here on Game Over Edmonton. Before we go, I'll let you plug any of your, your socials, your work. What's going on in the world of Mike Wilson right now?
1: In the world of Mike Wilson, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. My at is wellkshore. I'm Mike Dangle. Uh, please follow me there. <laughs> um, in, in, in other parts, I'm working on some music that should be coming out soon-ish. Um, so stay tuned for that. Hopefully, uh, I'll be back on Game Over, and we can talk about that a tiny bit, too.
0: No, of course. That'll definitely be fun. Anyways, gang, I'm Avery Lewis McDougal. I'll be back again host the game against the Flyers on Thursday. So you get some more of me on those screens. More Avery. Let's go. That's what you want. Exactly. More of the suits, more of the hats, more the aura. Anyways, we're out. Talk to you all on Thursday. Have a good night. Game! Yeah!